0: The Great Outdoors, Jake. Forget it, Jake. It's Los Angeles. It's the first time anybody's ever used that line, I'm sure. Hey, everybody, I'm Kyle Rizdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. I feel like you made a movie reference that I don't get. (laughs) Chinatown. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown.
1: Okay. What movie is that from?
0: (laughs) Chinatown.
1: Oh, that's the name of the movie. Okay. Sorry. All right. Yes. Well, I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this Wednesday, where we're already getting smart about things, assuming that not the entire rest go. of the world knew that, except for me. Anyway, it's October 11th, and uh, welcome to the show.
0: We're going to do uh, some news, a little movie trivia every now and then, uh, and then we'll do some smiles. Um, so let us begin, shall we? Uh,
1: why don't you go first, since it's uh, v- okay. very close to all of us? All
0: right. Yeah. So it was. It was. Uh, I was interested to see this today. So. Uh, First of all, uh, Twitter uh, continues to uh, immolate, self-immolate, or be immolated by its owner. Um, People are leaving in droves, especially after the events of this past weekend and the misinformation and just the horrible stuff that's gone on there. But for people who have
1: actively left the platform, do you mind explaining what went down this weekend? Well,
0: well, there was just tons of disinformation and misinformation about what happened in the Middle East. There were uh, really grotesque distortions of fact. Elon Musk, who owns that company, was promoting um, anti-Semitic sites as reliable sources of information. It was just—it was really bad. It was terrible. And I, yeah. it's my sense that the move off of Twitter to either Threads or Blue Sky or Mastodon or what have you has picked up in the last like 96 hours. That's mm. that's my general sense. I have no I have no quantifying data on that, but that's my sense. Anyway, so. Uh, Six months ago, uh, NPR uh, left Twitter after uh, the site branded or labeled it as uh, state-controlled media. Mm-hmm. And the people running NPR said, well, screw it. We're not and we don't need this, so we're leaving. And, of course, there was uh, some wailing and gnashing of teeth because people, uh, both inside and, and to some degree outside public radio, were like, well, what about you know traffic to your, to your content? Don't you use Twitter links to get traffic to your content? And I confess, while not one of those wailing, gnashing teeth, that's what I'd always thought. That Twitter engagement promotes engagement to uh, actual editorial content. Turns out that is not true. NPR has done a a survey, and it was published today in a in a thing called Neiman Reports, which is a which is a thing that covers a a publication that covers journalism and and issues Mm -hmm. surrounding it. Here's the quote. A memo circulated to NPR staff says traffic has dropped by only a single percentage point as a result of leaving Twitter, though traffic from the platform was already small and accounted for just under 2% of traffic before the posting stopped. That is kind of amazing. And and it's, you know, good news, too.
1: Yeah, especially since we left, too. Um, right, right. You know, as an mean, organization. Lots of other, lots of other places, yeah, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, this confirms... You know something i think with zero data to back it up i always kind of suspected that twitter was better for individuals than for companies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um in terms of building your individual brand so it like there were a lot of people who were twitter famous and remember i don't know if you remember clout that one website for a while like
0: Uh people
1: got jobs based on how popular they were on twitter and so I think if you were to look at sort of the metrics for engagement for individual, say, NPR reporters, it Mm -hmm. probably matters a lot Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, their own um, professional uh, sort of notoriety. Um, But I I completely understand like how it doesn't um, do a lot for the traffic. Um, Where does most of their traffic Come through at I, this point. I, I
0: didn't. I didn't read the article long enough yeah. to figure that out. I just saw the whole thing. I'm sure it's in there somehow.
1: Yeah. I mean, this was sort of the. <laughs> it's sort of like the pivot to video thing, and this is the thing with all these social media platforms. It's like we just don't know, and there's so many of them. I think media is always trying and experimenting to see, you know, what spaghetti hits sticks to the wall and stuff like that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. It's really interesting.
0: Yeah, super interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, what do you got?
1: Um, mine is something that came to me as I've been watching all the coverage of the FTX uh, Sam Bankman-Fried trial Mm -hmm. and today was the second day of testimony for Caroline Ellison who was a top advisor and ran Alameda Research and on again, off again partner to Sam Bankman-Fried and some of her testimony today was pretty bad about all the lies that they were doing and all of the sort of toxic uh, environment uh, that they were all working in and some of the what sounds like you know emotional abuse in that relationship and it just you know reminded me of all of the warnings I got from my parents growing up about being careful like who you date and who you end up in a Hmm. relationship with and Hmm. I have to imagine, imagine that she's sitting there and wondering and probably has you know if not for sort of getting emotionally tied to this dude would she be going to jail you know and sure she made lots of bad choices and made choices to break the law but a lot of us do really dumb stuff in relationships and choosing who you're going to partner up with you know, has such so many repercussions. It's sort of like that thing where they say, you know, don't don't marry anyone you wouldn't run a business with. And this is sort of mm-hmm. the epitome of that. And, you know, I was just, it's interesting to think of it from a relationship perspective, just watching not just the company collapse, but your relationship collapse and your life collapse. Totally. And, yeah. Totally. That's all. I was yeah, just, just gotta be pondering it. it. It's just got to be horrible.
0: Yep. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, Jake, let us move on. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So I've been getting press releases about this for a while, but it, it's getting into the zeitgeist now. Um, so there's mm-hmm. this group of companies that make menstrual products, particularly like the reusable ones, like the menstrual cups and, the, um, you know, reusable uh, period underwear and all mm-hmm. of these things, or even sort of the organic tampons and, and maxi pads and things like that. There are lots of states where you have to pay sales tax on menstrual products, whereas you don't have to pay them on other health products. And there's been a lot of pushback on this over the years. And, you know, I'm looking at my home state of Missouri, you end up paying 9.6% tax. So this coalition of menstrual product companies has gotten together to do this tampon tax back uh, effort where if you buy these products and you have to pay a sales tax on it, you can send them a screenshot or you can send them a photo of your receipt and they will pay you back the taxes that you paid on those products as a way to sort of drum up attention to the, you know, fact that this is Mm -hmm. a healthcare product that is taxed like a luxury product, so I yep. thought that that made me smile a little bit. This has been an effort that people have been pushing for for quite a bit. Um, there's a law that um, lots of folks are trying to get passed to stop this from happening at the state level and at the federal level. So that made me smile a little bit because, like, go girls, and people yeah, who use period for sure. products
0: for sure who are not and, girls. And the idea that they get taxed specially is just kind of wild. You it know? is indeed It's kind of wild. What made you smile? Uh okay. So there's an asteroid bits of which have come back to Earth. So this was like a couple of weeks ago, this asteroid Bennu on which we didn't quite land but we got samples from and Anyway, it's back to Earth. We now have pictures of the containment uh, vessel of the thing that's bringing back the the, the mm-hmm. samples. But also, there was so much of that stuff—the dirt and the rocks and the grit—blown up while it was getting its sample because they like puffed some nitrogen down into the into the asteroid to get this sample stuff that it like overfilled the container and and like jammed the lid so when they (laughs) opened the container in the laboratory some of it was sitting there outside the actual sample vessel itself right they 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 had they had wrapped it up they had arranged for it to be sealed right so that when they brought it back it would be sterile and and clean anyway some was like on top of the thing it was on top of the lid now it just kind of looks like dirt and rocks but it's crazy that it's from an asteroid hello it's pretty are you kidding me it's wild. so cool. they found water molecules slapped inside trapped in some of those clay minerals. It's just it's just amazing. There's sulfur in there. there's iron oxide. it's just it's just kind of wild. Also by the way, which I had not realized sorry scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Uh, so this thing is uh, about as wide as the Empire Building. is tall first of all but like the also itself? yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not the container. The asteroid itself is called Bennu. But it is categorized as a near-Earth asteroid, and scientists say there is a 1 in 1,750 chance it could slam into Earth during a series of very close passes between the years 2175 and 2199.
1: That is not so. a small chance
0: it Looks is like not a small chance better than and the while Power it is Ball far odds. away 21.75 that's right that's that's right it's way better than your odds winning the powerball that's <laughs> yeah. right and i'm counting on winning the powerball that's exactly right you know
1: i've never bought a lottery ticket in my life but i am seriously considering Kimberly, it for come this on. one <laughs> come on it's like two
0: billion dollars now
1: <laughs> i know i need to go down yeah, to crazy. the grocery store i actually the last time it got this big i actually did attempt to buy a ticket and I learned at that point that you can't buy a lottery ticket with a credit card <laughs> which i no, did not really know. i did not know was a thing but that's that makes sense for gambling but like i was just like yeah i guess. the lady in the grocery store just looked at me like you clearly haven't done this before and I, was like, no, I haven't. <laughs> anyway i'm sorry oh asteroids God. so the odds anyway. of hitting the planet <laughs> All yeah back.
0: anyway so this thing is back we've got samples and they're going to do some more analysis but you should check out this picture we'll put it on the show page because it's cool it's good cool. it it's like cool. literally rocks right yeah it's just cool
1: that's pretty freaking cool. awesome yeah all right yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: so too there we go that's it all
1: right short and sweet today that is it for us and we're gonna be back tomorrow uh we're gonna play some audio and and chat about it and you're welcome to send us any uh, audio clips that jumped out to you this week that you think we should discuss um, and yeah send it over to us or your questions comments your answers to the make me smart questions uh, it is 508 UB smart is the phone number where you can reach us we also have an email make me smart at marketplace.org.
0: Make Me Smart, which is the podcast you are listening to, for which we are grateful, is produced by Courtney Berg. Sierra Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. Today's program is engineered by Jake Cherry. Our intern is Nila Farshabandi.
1: Ben Talladeh and Daniel Ramirez wrote our theme music. Our senior producer is Marissa Cabrera. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital.